Welcome to part two of episode number 47 of the Fiduciary U podcast uh, and my conversation with Bill Chetney Jr. from Viking Cove Institute. If you haven't had a chance, go back and listen to part one. We covered uh, a lot of great territory and had a great conversation. And uh, with that, uh, I hope you enjoy part two. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting, the 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 innovation piece. Um, you know, I would say that the and, and people who listen to the show or see me on LinkedIn or whatever know um, and, and, and quite frankly, that know my story or hear me all the time. No, I'm, I'm constantly harping on this around the retirement space. Like we need, we need new FinTech. We need, we're in a lot of ways, we've been like technology laggards. Um, and there's yeah. a host of different reasons. Um, there's a host of different reasons around that. Um, you know, there's, there's some big players that have been entrenched for a really long time and have done good, great work. Um, uh, but at the same time, like there needs to be, you know, there needs to be new solutions and, and those solutions I think are going to come out. I, I, I had John Faustino, um, from FI 360, who's become an incredible friend and mentor of mine. Um, I had him on the show a while back and, uh, you know, he talked a lot about the trend of practitioners that are going to kind of jump into fintech to kind of create solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the market is really asking for it, in my opinion. But what's interesting is the older generation of advisor that they've built a good practice, they've built a good business, you know, they're kind of what I would say, not in a bad way, but, and, and it's, it's a little bit of a generalization because some of these folks have, I know have become customers, customers of mine and are continuing to try to look for competitive advantages, um, you know, on what I would consider to be maybe the back nine of their career. Yeah. What's been interesting though, is the difference in technology adoption, openness, utilization, by the newer generation of advisor relative to the older generation of advisor. The next gen advisor is really asking because they've, you know, they've been more of digital natives. That's what they've grown up around. They want, hey, how do I, I'm trying to be successful and build my career and find clients and serve clients. And how do I have more arrows in my quiver? How do I have more tools? And what I would say is that the, um, one thing I've been very impressed about by the, aggregators is in part, I just think, you know, they're growth driven. And so they're looking for more and more kind of tools, whatever we can give our advisors, we want to do it in a smart way. And I do think the trend over the next two to five years is for these aggregators to move more into what I would consider to be an integration focus. So from aggregator to integrator, but I've been very impressed by, um, by aggregators that are like, we want to grow. If there are things that are going to help our advisors, we can equip them. We want to do that. Um, But I think the firms, even if you're an older advisor, and so a couple of learning points here, if you don't innovate, the marketplace is going to take your clients from you. You may not think that can happen. You may Mm -hmm. say, hey, there's no way my clients love me. Um, I'm sure they do. But if you don't continue to innovate, a couple of things are going to happen. One, the marketplace is going to take your clients away from you um, because there are firms out there innovating big time. But the other thing is if it's not just about you, it's about your next generation. And, yeah. and that's one thing I think that, that 
was interesting being at the conference. And I think your vision, and maybe you can talk a little bit about this, sure. um, is it, it's not just about the legacy who's been around 20 years and has like, the gray hair, the, you know, um, the gray beard like I have and has done it the same way for a really long time. Firms need to be thinking, the ones that are starting to think about their tech stack with their next-gen advisor in mind is, in my opinion, are going to be the firms that are going to be in the best position to compete, not over the next six months, but over the next six years, if that makes sense. And what are you guys trying to do? Because you have a lot of mature firms that are part of Viking Cove. How are you trying to partner with them to really connect to kind of the next gen? And what's yeah. the value prop you feel like you can offer that next gen advisor? Yeah. So I think for the old guard, right, for our longest, you know, standing members, um, first off, you want the best for everybody, right? Um, and the average age of an advisor right now is like 55 or 62, something like that. Right. And if you look at M&A right now, um, largely backed by insurance, right, you know, following money, you know, specialists becoming generalists. That's a whole nother thing we could talk about later. But, um, you know, you need to think about secession planning or sell. Right. I mean, it's uh, M&A is slowing down now. I don't know if you saw. I think you mentioned it to me before, but Dick Darian. Um, with Wise Rhino, Rhino. Yep. he put out an article saying how things are really cooling down rapidly. But if I was 60 years old and I was a million dollar producer and someone offered me 10X, I'd say, thank you so much. And I would take that and I could do whatever I like. Um, and that's a beautiful exit. Um, you know, it's a good way to sunset. But if you're looking to do, if you're looking to, you know, have someone take that practice over, how are you training them? Um, how are you gearing them out? How are you going to save them from attrition of the book? Right. Um, and that kind of stuff is really important. So, you know, if, if I were to sell and just walk away with, you know, a healthy profit, you know, I could totally just, you know, put the sunglasses on, never look back. Right. And then that's your problem down the road. But I think what aggregators are looking towards is the same thing we're looking towards is the same thing that a two person shop with a new young person coming in is looking for is how can I make structure to where this person can easily transact, right? So what we're doing right now is so we have, we have like uh, things that address certain needs, right? But again, we also have uh, partners and a tech stack that allows people to um, transact, run their business, right? So uh, with Fiduciary RX, we love that because you're gonna be able to really document what you are doing for that plan. And it always comes down to, what have you done for me lately, right? Mm. Or let's say your relationship moves to another company mm. and a new person comes in, what do they do? Oh, well, I, I've got a guy who does a great job on retirement plans, right? Something like that, um, where you're going to be able to qualitatively show the service is good. And then the tech stack we're working with, um, and we have been customizing it for four years now since we connected with them, is Bidmani. So their founder and CEO, Stephen Daigle, started out as an advisor. You know, so like you, he really has that perspective. And 
you know, I didn't get to talk about our value adds, but one of the things we offer to our members, uh, complimentary, is a 5500 tool and a startup prospector, right? These are plan these are companies that have yet to sponsor a plan, right? So we have ways for advisors to go out and find business. And then from there, uh, we have systems that will show, you know, hey, what's your net tax benefit? Give me X amount of data points, and I'm going to be able to tell you really quickly, you know, is a cash balance, new comparability, safe harbor match, like, you know, what's what's going to be the best outcome for you? And then from there, we have digitized, and this is a totally, um, this is not overhauled. This is just totally new code. This is new tech. Um, we have a system to where you're able to um, RFP paper and then have ongoing due diligence on your um, client. And you can do, you could RFP and like uh, paper them in like 10 minutes, right? Obviously some conversations are longer and more nuanced. That's how powerful it is. Think about DocuSign. Remember it would have been probably a huge pain in the butt, not that I know, cause I've been doing digital, but to get wet signatures or here, I'll send you this and fax it to me. No, you need to make it so easy. Um, so those are, those are a few things that we've done to help the younger advisor. And I think for me is my vision looking ahead, um, I want to gain as much knowledge as I possibly can from our existing base. Um, there's so many smart people. And then I, I need to reach out either into the next generation in the offices or like out to the marketplace abroad. And if you're listening, you know, and you know, you're going to be in the business for 30 years, give me a call, but, um, and bring them in and, and, so when people sunset and move out, we're still able to innovate, grow, you know, and foster this community. So it's interesting because it's hard to find. There's no, there's no group of, you know, 25, 35 year old retirement advisors in, in ready supply. They're usually at Morgan Stanley or wholesaling, or, you know, they came up in the business because of family like myself. Um, Right. So that's a very, very unique challenge. Um, one, one that uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to get done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it'll be interesting just to see, um, you know, kind of getting back to that convergence is, mm -hmm. um, you know, there is this, this older gen that, and, and a lot of these founders that have sold have taken down a lot of money and, and, you know, they may be in their earnout. The question becomes like, what happens next? Like, that's where I think, yeah. like, I think the golden age is going to be, you know, around two things. Like, I do think there could wind up being um, a lot of uh, plans at play over the next three to five years. You've got you know, somebody they worked with for 25 years that was kind of that senior person transitions out. It's probably not going to go out to market right away, but that creates, um, and quite frankly, a lot of the M&A, and, and I know like Fred Barstein's talked about this. Yes. Um, is, and I've even, you know, I've even um, seen it with some consulting that I've done is that, you know, M&A is triggering RFPs. Like it just, that's, 
you know, oh my gosh, what's an advisor RFP? Absolutely. The advisor RFP and triggering yep. that. Um, not necessarily to, to there's a, a major intent to make a change, but hey, there's a new firm now, we need to go through the process. And typically in that RFP process, you know, it, it, um, uh, they see other solutions, you know, sometimes it's just a validation, but in other times it's like, oh, yeah. like we didn't even know that this was out there. And so I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of plans at play over the next three to five years. So I think that's one thing. I think if you're yeah. an independent firm looking to find talent, I think that could be in play over the next three to five years. You've got people that maybe weren't a partner or, um, you know, they were part of a, a transaction, not because they chose it because they didn't really have a seat at the table, but they were yes. part of it and now looking. And I've seen that in the industry, a couple of big ones recently um, of smaller practices. And there was like a, uh, a seasoned 35 year old who was like part of the transaction is like, you know, uh, an advisor that now are getting an opportunity to go leave and become director of retirement plan services at another firm. There's That's talent going to be on the market. Yes. And then I think the third is what you said is, um, and if I was still in the advisory business, like I would be taking notice and, and I probably, you know, I wouldn't, we, before we started recording, you know, I, I said, I'd come across a saying that like, your past can either be your prison or it can be your passport, you know, your passport to the future. Yes. I think the, the, the small plan market, I never really worked in that because I couldn't figure out the economics of how to make yes. it work. Um, but I think plan formation and closing the coverage gap and secure, like, and I'm hearing from a lot of advisors that are like, you know what, like, I'm now leveraging technology. I'm creating a service model. I feel like I can profitably go after that, you know, startup market, throw a minimum fee on it, scope it out the oh, right yeah. way, use technology, to leverage, there's huge opportunity yeah. there. You know, advisors like to go up market, right? It strokes the ego. I have a plan this big, like, yeah, I go, if I was going to start an advisory firm again, I'd be in the under $10 million let, plan space. Let me jump on that, because right? that yeah, whole yeah. thing, like everybody's chasing, right? You know, trophy. a light way of telling me to shut up. No, 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 no. no. I appreciate just, it. No, like, like my <laughs> wheels are turning and I'm going to start forgetting yeah. stuff. But, um, like to that, to that point, like, are you, are you hunting for the horns or the meat? Right. Are you just trying to run after plans? Cause you look at like some firms, um, they're using 401k as a lost leader. Yeah. Um, but the small plan space can be very profitable. So a few quick stats, like, you know, 2020 Georgetown, um, University did a, a big study. There's uh, 57 million uh, people who are uncovered right now, right? Mm. You know, let's say it's 10 people per plan. That's 5.7 uh, million businesses. Um, if you multiply Vanguard's median and average uh, account balances from their latest How America Saves uh, report, if you multiply that times that coverage gap, you get anywhere from two to eight trillion dollars. Okay. Mm. So that's so macro. Who cares? Right. Let's put it another way. You have uh, in California a state mandate where if you don't set up a plan, um, you're going to get fined. And then I think after like 90 days, the fines go up. Mm. We have advisors out there selling 20 plans, charging a flat 5,000 per plan. Right. Yep. 
and they hire someone out of college to handle that segment of the business and they're going to sell more plans next year. Okay, now I'm perking up. Now, how do I accommodate that at scale? You need technology. And like your axiom uh, or your, your saying, you know, prison of your past, something that I've always run by is people resist change, right? It is such a pain in the butt just to change record keepers, right? Yeah. So, you know, you need to adopt new technology to enable that new advisor who's more familiar with technology to efficiently manage 60 plans in two years. Yeah. Right. And then add, add secure 2.0 tax credits, right? Like that's, that by far is top of the list for high impact. Yeah. I mean, you get hundred percent of startup costs for three years and then like a three year phase out, I think it's like 75 and you know, so on down. That's, so powerful. So there's going to be a lot of money coming in and you need to make sure that when all this volume hits, you have a really good process. Yeah. And I think that goes back to just as kind of a, you know, a, a, a learning point for, for advisors that are listening in thinking about that market. Number one is you have to have the right economic model. Basis points in the small plan market don't work. Yeah. You know, a hundred basis points of nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. Right? So, um, this approach around fixed fees, you know, having a minimum fee and, and you can have a minimum fee. Maybe it's, you know, five grand minimum fee or 50 basis points, right? The, 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 I see people uh, charge two to 7,000. Like, yeah. Know. The, the greater, and then you can have it on a basis point if that's your thing that as assets grow and what, whatnot. That's, I think, um, I think that's number, I think that's number one. And, and I would just tell advisors, whatever your minimum fee is, double it. Like in that market, if you sell it the right way, it's, it's not going to matter. Most advisors charge too little. I've been hearing advisors, oh, we charge a $2,500 minimum fee or 3000. I'm like, double it. Like, yeah, you, you'd be surprised. Like you'd be surprised. So I think the right economic model, I think number two, the right the right story, right? For a startup plan, it's not about, I hate to say it, but like governance and, and you still want to, mm -hmm. you still bring the story, but a big part of the sale is going to be around, I think, you know, the economic benefit to business owners. Okay. Hey, if you do this, this is how it's going to benefit you. Like that's what they're concerned we about. Say, we say net tax benefit, right? Net like, tax benefit. Hey man, what if I told you that if we set this up, you know, it's not necessarily just warm, fuzzy feelings to attract and retain top tier talent, yeah. which, by the way, I love. But what if I told you that it helped your bottom line? Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's a huge part of the sale. Um, I think that's a huge part of the sale. I think the other a couple of the other aspects just in thinking about it. And again, I'm thinking more about like if I was going to attack this marketplace, you know, if I decided sure. I wanted to get back in. Um you know, right economic model, right kind of story. I think, um, I think from that perspective, and it is, is a combination of, Hey, take care. Everybody says people are your greatest asset, like take care of your people. But one of the nice things is the way the new rules apply is like, mm -hmm. you can take care of your people and you can also get a really good benefit yes. um, from that perspective. I, I think 
Two, advisors have to scope it out the right way. Um, you can't deliver the same level of service. You can't deliver a twenty or thirty or fifty thousand dollars service model to the startup market. And the reality is, like, they don't need it. Like, you literally could scope it out in an efficient way and still do a great job for your clients, check all the boxes. Um, yeah. I think that's a really important component. And I do think the technology piece, like you said, like you'll get bogged down if you yeah. scope it out the wrong way or you do it in a really, yeah. really- It's like in wartime, fashion. I think in wartime, like the novices think about the battle, but the real yeah. pros think about the operations and logistics, right? right? Exactly. So like that kind of stuff- It's about troop movement, right? Yeah, get after it, you, right. get, you better gear out. So. Yeah. You know, that's, 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 that's a big part of it. But then also too, yeah, you know, you deserve that fee. And if you, you should feel like you, you um, can command that. Uh, and I don't think it's asking too much, you know, with that range that I described and think of it like a doctor, right? Hey, you know, this is the price. This is your service. You know, it's, you know, it's not going to be the white glove, you know, larger plan service, but when you one, when you arrive, I'll be right here. Right. And then we'll, we'll retack, we'll reset. But then yeah. too, like, why do you go with an experienced doctor? Because he's made mistakes, right? Yeah. And he's gone through those mistakes and he's grown from it. Right. So when there's, when there's a fire or like something happens, you, you have me to come in and, you know, solve that problem. So it's absolutely worth, you know, the, the fee that I'm charging. Yeah, I, I, you know, the nice thing too is if you position the right whale as a, you know, if it's a different sale, right? It's a different story. Like, you know, number one, if they're not willing to pay a minimum, you don't even want them as a client because, yeah. you know, the purpose of business isn't, it's not about, it's about profit, right? You could have, you know, a client that pays you a hundred grand, but if it costs you $150,000 to service that, service that client, like that's a bad client. It doesn't yeah. matter about the revenue, it's about the profit. Yeah. But I think the other thing too is just in thinking of that market, one of the nice things is what you talked about earlier, like, oh, we got to change record keepers. We got to change advisors. We've got this legacy. Like the beautiful thing about the startup market is number one, mm. you're not selling change. They've got this mandate in a lot of these states pushing down. Um, you're not trying to convince them like, oh, we got to change this record keeper. I know you've been playing golf with, you know, uh, your friend and, and, you know, um, you know, you and, and she have been twilight partners for the past 15, like you don't have to sell against any of that. Right. Um, the other element to that is, um, you're not having to sell change, but the other thing is they don't have an experience expectation, good or bad. Yeah. So you can, you don't even have to talk about like, oh, when you're big enough or we're not going to give you the white glove. Like yeah. you can deliver a white glove. It's just going to look, you don't even have to tell them about that. Yeah. Um, you get to design the experience because yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's, it's in many cases, maybe their first time going through it. And so you can control that. That's it's true. so powerful. I think anyone listening to this podcast too is going to do a great job. Obviously they're, they're, you know, tuned in, right. Yeah. They're, they're, they're touching the nerve. But the other thing too, to that point is once I've, I'm the person who built that relationship and we have that retirement plan with you. 
I was talking to a guy who was a CPA. He sold four plans, just incidental. He has 42 million in assets under management. Wow, great, right? But that is your relationship from the start. Right. That's so powerful because if you, like how do you win plans these days? I mean, if you sell it on price, that's the new price and guess how you're gonna lose? Someone's gonna undersell you, right? Right. So to really set expectations and have that relationship from the start is really, really advantageous yeah. and a really healthy, um, really healthy way to, to grow your practice. As and, well. and it's, it's, you know what, it's meaningful, virtuous work too. Like a lot, again, solving Isn't that coverage gap is it's, it, it's awesome. I, 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 you know, again, having, if I was going to go back and attack this market, like I said, I, I, you know, I would, I would focus down market. I just think that's where, you know, 98% of plans are under $10 million and you've got this whole startup. So, it, you know, exciting yeah. stuff. And I, I, you know, I think some of the, 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 you know, solutions you've talked about, um, you know, really aim to kind of help advisors compete effectively, um, in that market. So, you know, as we kind of wrap up and, and sure. you know, I've had an awesome time, I think we've covered some really, really cool stuff. Um, just kind of your vision, right? This is in, in a lot of ways, this, um, you know, having worked with a lot of uh, closely held multi-generational businesses. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we were talking about this before we started recording is that, you know, um, sometimes they're done, you know, really, really well, sometimes not so well. Um, you know, you've been fortunate. I've seen you and your dad. It's funny. Like you guys seem to be very, very closely aligned internally. You're very different externally. Um, but have this kind of shared kind of, you know, vision, but now that you're kind of, you're moving the organization forward, like where do you want to take it over the next three to five yeah. to seven years as you kind of, you know, um, the you know succession of now Viking Cove. Where are you taking it, and um, how are you going to get there? Yeah, I, I love these existential questions, <laughs> and, and I have and I have thought about it a lot. But we we have a really beautiful, stable platform where we're able to bring people together and create best practices. But how do we do that? This is the magic. This is, I mean, it's no secret because everybody knows it. The real secret sauce comes out when, you know, you belly up to the bar, let's say, and you're having a beer and so, you know, you're having a beer. Some, what do you think about this, man? Right? What do you think about this? And then, and then the most amazing things comes out of it. And I think you experienced that at our summit. It's smaller. It's more intimate. It's way more informal. So that is something that I really want to keep the flame alive on. I want to keep a community of people where you have that atmosphere of, hey, man, what do you think about this? Like, you know, um, so that is something I, I will retain. Another thing I think of is, so my name's Bill Chetney. My dad's Bill Chetney. My grandfather's Bill Chetney. Currently negotiating with my wife, right, for... You know, let's see if the chain continues. Who knows, right? But my grandpa did pharmaceuticals and annuities. Growth, right? That was a big at the time. My dad, 
he found the defined contribution nugget, right? And he's also just a phenomenal businessman. Like he's yep. incredible at just deals and negotiating and big anything financial. It's it's really phenomenal. You know, and he he did the defined contribution, right? My growth will be through fintech because we're in a very mature business, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of money out there, but how do we get growth and how do we, you know, um, exactly that. How do you grow and everything that comes with it? And that is fintech. That's why we aligned and partnered. You know, that's why we looked out and built out that catalog. And, you know, that's, that's how I envision it in the future. And I think the big challenge that's going to come up for me and our entity, and it'll be very formative, is um, finding that next generation, however it manifests, right? I mean, gosh, we could talk for a long time. Is it relationships sold or are people going to transact, um, you know, online like, uh, like Shopify? So, like, how is business going to be done? Do you go to a travel agent these days? you go to Travelocity, right? Hmm. So being tuned into FinTech right now, where efficiencies are like going parabolic, that's that's the future. And that's what people need to look for. Um, so that's that's what I'm, that's what we're doing here. So awesome. <laughs> well, Bill, I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I've enjoyed just our burgeoning friendship over the, uh, you know, past year or so, um, you know, it, it excited about, um, uh, both your past, but like where you're going in the future and, and, uh, um, just all the best. And I think, uh, excited about kind of what we're, you know, what we're doing, uh, what, what we're trying to do together as well. Um, so where can people stay connected with you or get in touch with you? What's the easiest way that, that if a listener says, Hey, I want to learn more about Viking Cove and how that can benefit me. Like how, how would people yeah. connect with you? Oh my gosh. Uh, absolutely. So for me, it would be uh, LinkedIn is really good. You know, I'm, I'm Bill Chetney on LinkedIn. My dad's William Chetney. I'm Bill Chetney on LinkedIn. You can direct message me there. My email is bill at vikingcoveinstitute.com. But um, no, likewise, Josh, I, I really appreciate talking with you. Um, you know, I, I think you have a really strong vision as well. Um, and uh, let's get you up to Viking Cove so you can, you know, we'll, we'll get you up there and we'll just get eaten by a bear. Away. Just real quick, as we wrap up, where'd Viking Cove come from? That, that, that's probably a good way to, to, uh, to end for people that don't know. Yeah. So when we were looking for a new name, we were like, what are we going to do? Like. And we, we had like a board and we had like all these different names and like, oh my God, this one's patented and we can't do this or that. Like, oh yeah, we run a summit in Haines, Alaska once a year and the venue's called Viking Cove. And it was the same color scheme and so many people had been there. So, and Vikings are cool. So are cool. with that, uh, we did Viking Cove and you can check it out, www vikingcove.com and you can see where uh, we take people up. It is the uh, Jackson Hole for, for the retirement world for, for independent. Okay. Oh, that's the first time I've heard that. Okay. All right. I love it. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Well, 
Um, my best to you. Thanks for being on the show. Had a great time. And uh, uh, as always, keep fighting. The Thanks, Josh. Show. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to episode number 47 of the Fiduciary You podcast with Bill Chetney Jr. from Viking Cove Institute. If you're a retirement plan advisor that wants to drive growth, scale, efficiency, and repeatability across your practice, and you haven't checked out FiduciaryX yet, head over to fiduciaryworks.com and book a demo. You'll be glad you did. We have launched a tremendous amount of new functionality over the last several months. Uh, we have some incredible stuff that's coming uh, uh, over the next uh, a couple of months this summer, and the platform is on fire right now. Also, if you've got questions you'd like me to answer, topics you'd like me to discuss, guests you think would be a good fit for the show, or any other feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Finally, head over to Amazon and check out my two books, The Fiduciary Formula and Fixing the 401k. And if you want an easy way to support the show, I'd really appreciate you leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to help other people find the show, and I read each one. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the Fiduciary You podcast.